Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Bad Beats episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary worst deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate investor-oriented and asset protection. Uh, I'm here with a good friend of mine, Brandon Hall. Uh, He's a phenomenal CPA, has uh, been doing some killer work uh, for a while. I've actually referred a ton of clients over to him. Uh, He does does really quality uh, types of uh, tax advice uh, on all different levels uh, uh, for investors, um, and I'm really excited to sit down with him here today and uh, talk through a, a worse deal. He says it's not really that bad, but what he doesn't know is that this show is much more about like the real estate investor than the deal itself. And so we're actually going to be digging into the personal side of what's going on uh, with that. So there's no there's no easy outs here, Brandon. And you dig into <laughs> the pain no matter where it's at. Yeah, man. Hey, so I, I gave you a little intro there, Brandon, but I'm sure there's a different stage or, you know, a little bit more background you want to give people on who you are and what you're about. And, you know, um, so you can give them a good backdrop of uh, who you are, you know, in this deal. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Brandon. Uh, I run a CPA firm. We brand ourselves under the real estate CPA. So we only work with real estate investors. Uh, we work with general partners and syndicates and real estate funds as well. So that's our client base. We don't take on anybody outside of that space. We see a lot of good deals and a lot of bad deals, uh, but we get to advise in all, on, on all aspects of those deals. We, we help out a lot with tax strategy. Um, it's kind of our, our go-to service. Then we obviously offer tax preparation and we do a lot of accounting work and CFO work as well. Um, so that, that's been a lot of fun. It's a completely virtual firm, which is neat. Uh, not really standard in the accounting space or I guess even in the law space really. And uh, it's cool because I I have 12 employees in seven different states. We have clients, I believe, at this point in in every single state. uh, And uh, we service them all virtually. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I think it's, uh, you know, that's what we're doing with Royal Legal Solutions as well, too. We have a number of core staff that we have are local and then a lot of people that we work with around the country, just because that's how you find the best people, really, right? That really want to build is like you need to blow up the the scope of who all you get to do business with. Um, And then it just makes also you know, it's a lot more fun to work as a CPA or an attorney that way. You know, if anybody's checking it out on YouTube right now uh, from the videos we got, uh, Brandon has all his papers up on the back wall and his like guitars in the background. He's like, I'm, from, I'm in my t-shirt right now. I'm doing my, I'm doing my podcast stuff here today and sharing some knowledge. Doesn't look stressed at all. Guy looks very happy. And that's very different from the type of the normal attorney CPAs. Uh, that yeah. you run into in your daily life that are uh, just absolutely beaten down by life. And I think that's, uh, that might be because we're actually doing something that's a little bit different. It works better for us as people and then allows us to have more energy and more excitement to help our clients and actually do better work. Yeah, it's neat. We, so in the CPA space right now, there's a lot of CPA firms that, that are struggling to find talent and we haven't had that issue. Everybody wants to work with us <laughs> or for us. And uh, it, it's cool. We, we have an employee that's in Italy right now. Um, traveling around and we have another employee that's retrofitting a a school bus rehabbing it and they're going to travel around the U.S. in the school bus while they work so it's neat to be able to provide those types of opportunities that would not have otherwise been available uh, in a standard accounting firm environment. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and from an investor perspective, guys, uh, the reason why that's cool, why do you want the CPA that's traveling through Italy or the guy that's traveling around in a school bus? Because for them to be able to work with an upstanding, like an upstanding rep, reputable type of business, um, they have to be a killer at their job to be able to be like, Hey, I'm going to travel in a bus and work for you, but I am so good at what I do that you're going to let me go do this and everybody's going to be okay about it. And what that means from your perspective is that you then have access to people that uh, of a quality that you would never have access to in a traditional brick and mortar because they'd be positioned too high up in the company or too, too high up in the organization that you would never get this kind of direct access to really high quality people. So it's really a value play. And, and from a, and a business and entrepreneurship perspective, this is the new model that we're seeing, right? You find the really smart, really hardworking people that can show up on time and do their stuff correctly. Um, but they said, Hey, you know what? I don't have to get paid, you know, $300,000 a year because you're going to let me live the life that I want to. So it's making a lot of sense for virtual law firms and virtual CPA firms like that me and Brandon are designing here on really creating a better work environment and also much better terms of service uh, for everybody. So I always love talking with Brandon um, about this kind of stuff because, you know, probably two peas in a pod on, on the things that we're building here and be like, isn't this amazing? Nobody's built something like this yet. You know, we're the first ones, you know, it's great. Yeah, we, we, we do get a lot of CPAs that own their own firms and they're like, I would never run a virtual firm. It can't happen. And we're like, well, you know, it's working pretty well for us. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Same thing with like law firms and, and, and legal, right? They're like, oh, you can't possibly do that. And I'm like, well, I guess we'll find out, you know, yeah. and, and you know, four years later, right. When, when my firm is about, you know, 10 to 20 times the size of theirs in only a few years, they're like, oh, well, maybe I should have done that. You know, there's something that's, to it. <laughs> yeah. And that's only one idea. Right. And I think that's one of the key pieces that comes into here, right. Is that you can see like these types of track records with success in one area. And, and what we've seen from entrepreneurs time and time again, is that it's not like they have one good idea. It's, all the ideas that they're doing are usually pretty revolutionary and pretty yeah. dynamic. So it's really just a testament of a track record to say like, oh, that's the thing that I built out right now. You can see the success that's obvious from um, here with it. But I think you were telling earlier that you're actually uh, working in some syndication work as well too, which is probably having the same type of dynamic uh, results that your CPA firm is, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting too. Um, I, in the past, I've had a few clients come to me and, and ask if they could partner with me it's always been a little weird and I normally say no. Uh, but this guy, Salem, uh, he came and approached me. He's a client and he's like, Hey, I've got this idea and I would love for you to be a part of it. And so I, I remember going to the first meeting, he had this whole, this whole pitch built out. I remember going into that first meeting thinking I'm doing this to be nice. Uh, nothing's going to come up this, but he, just the way that he presented the information, the guy is just absolutely brilliant. And I was like, man, I want to be on this train. So he and I partnered up. We formed a, a syndication entity called Naked Capital. I post about it every once in a while on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, we, we focus on uh, B-class multifamily, or we were focusing on B-class multifamily, but with the cap rate suppression, we're starting to switch into manufactured housing. So we're, we're looking at in that space at this time. But yeah, it's all virtual as well. So everything's virtual. Um, no central office location, nothing like that. He, he flies out to all the deals and meets all the vendors. I handle my CPA firm and just <laughs> help, help do the capital raising. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm excited uh, for you guys. And as you grow into that, um, it's really, uh, really some dynamic work you're doing in that one. Um, let's, let's go ahead and dive into the, uh, the, the worst deal uh, here today. Um, 
But uh, what can you set the stage for us a little bit about like what's going on with you and and what this deal is is about at uh, the ten thousand foot level as you're getting into it? Sure. So I was working at Ernst and Young when I picked up this deal. I, I already had one three unit property under my belt, and this was a a second three unit property that I was targeting. Um, I lived in Washington D.C. My now wife, uh, previously girlfriend and then fiance, obviously. Uh, she was in Baltimore at the time working for Under Armour at the, the HQ. Um, so I knew that I was going to be going virtual into my CPA firm. And I was leveraging my big four W-2 uh, tax form, basically, to get to qualify for financing. So my goal was to buy a property in Baltimore that I could live out of one unit, rent out the other units. I didn't know how many units that was going to be, but... I wanted to rent out the other units and reduce my overhead as much as possible so that I could easily transition into my CPA firm full time and not really have to worry about forking out big bills on a monthly basis, which is what I was doing in DC. Why Baltimore? Because my wife was in Baltimore working for Under Armour and it didn't make sense to have her commute from DC. So we were basically moving in together. So it's kind of twofold, moving in with my wife and then also trying to reduce my overhead as much as possible so that I could start my virtual firm. And if everything went to, went to crap, uh, it wasn't going to be a big deal because that monthly bill wasn't going to be huge. That's awesome, man. Well, there's, that's some really smart strategy from the front end, right? As about like trying to say like, what's my ultimate realistic downside risk. And that can make it, uh, I know a lot of people that uh, struggle to take action with doing investing or changing what things are, you know, happening with their life. You know, they're not happy where things are at, but then like taking action comes with like some high levels of risk. Um, and one of the key tools that I always use in it, I think is kind of what you did there is said, okay, well, how can I mitigate all those risks? So that way in the realm of actual possibility, what's the real worst case scenario? How can I plan on that? And then how long would it take me? And this is a piece that I didn't learn about until I was, uh, um, uh, with Tim Ferriss about it was saying, the question was, is how long would it take me to bounce back to where I am now? And, and that was the question that really always spurned me into be taking much more action into areas. Cause it's like most things I could probably recover from in a month if they right. weren't really bad. Right. And I was like, and I was totally wrong, which you're almost never totally wrong in that. So um, that's how I, that's what I normally would think about that making that kind of decision. And it sounds like you did something similar. Is that, is that right? Or, or am I totally off base? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I knew that I wanted to do the CPA firm full time, but again, risk, I just didn't know if, if it would take off, if people would want to work with me virtually, a new model, that type of deal. So it was, how do I, how do I just reduce my overhead? And then if I can't, if the CPA firm does fail, but I've reduced my overhead, well, I've got enough cash stocked away that it's not really going to affect me. I mean, I'll just go get another job. I'll probably call up my old boss and say, that was a fun experiment. Please take me back and we'll be right back in the swing of things. <laughs> yeah. And your boss probably would take you back too, right? Because he'd be oh, like, yeah. man, you went for it. That's cool that you went for it. Even if you strike out, like, all right, cool. Yeah, we'll take you back, right? Yep. Yeah. People don't ever hold it against you if they feel like they're doing, if you're doing something big, I find. 
You know, yeah. if you're actually going to do something amazing or like a once in a lifetime opportunity, most people are like, absolutely go do that. And I'll actually support you in going to do that. Even if it's not like necessarily in line with their personal interests, right. there's something that's weird about that. Like we're all super self-interested and kind of like thinking about ourselves and how can we be the best in every situation until somebody else comes along that we're like, holy smokes, man, you're doing something awesome and you're going for it big. How can you do that? I don't care about m myself right now. I want to support you in going and you know, with that. And, and I find that in those kinds of scenarios, if it doesn't work out well, they're just so excited that you did something that you were brave enough to do that they probably want to do, but they can't. And so it actually like engenders like a, a better relationship with that. So that's super awesome. And, and did you, um, so now you're, you're in the, the house, you've, you've started the firm. Is that right? Yes. And you've reduced your overhead and you're starting to, you know, truck through that. And so where does the story pick up from there? Yeah. So I, I purchased a three unit property. Uh, so I, I did live in one unit. I rented out the other two units and the, the, the second unit, I never met the lady and, uh, and she was constantly late on rent. So she would always pay on the 15th of the month. Sometimes every once in a while on like the 20th of the following month. And then I would always send her something like, Hey, you need to pay rent. So part of this being a bad deal is one, I had no idea what the tenants were actually like, cause I'd never met this, this second floor person. Um, but two, I never actually put my foot down and said, you need to pay me. I never assessed late fees. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> so I was self-managing the property and I was like, well, you know, she still kind of pays. Uh, so I don't really want to stir the pot too much. Um, cause we are getting money. It's just a little bit late every single time. Wow. So it is, so it's, uh, it caused a problem you think because you didn't reset like the boundaries about like, Hey, here's where you're crossing the line of like what the expectations are in our relationship, you know, not to get touchy feely on it, but that's essentially what it is. Right. And like the business yeah. world, it's like, we're in a relationship together here's how you're messing up. That's not okay with me. And you're like, okay, cool. Maybe there's penalties and whatever, but like to avoid having to go through the pain of having that conversation essentially, right. And the risk of her getting angry or upset that you would, um, you, uh, you, you went another route that caused you some problems, but I bet that learning this lesson at that point actually has probably helped you a lot as a business person and running your firm about needing to set those expectations for people. Oh, it absolutely has. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we try to set very clear expectations now with clients and we, we document it, put them in engagement letters. And if we miss the expectations or if they miss the expectations, then we're, we're either compensating them or they're there. We're canceling the engagement, something along those lines. So yeah, we, we try to be very strict now with expectations, but at the time I had no idea how to set expectations. Uh, and that even did, that did at the time carry over into my business as well. So there were clients where I, I did not set very good expectations. And as I'm sure you can imagine, eventually things break down. So yeah, <laughs> um, that, that was an interesting learning experience too. Yeah. But what I did on the, the real estate side. So, you know, I, I had a property manager for my first three unit property. And when I think back on it, it, it was, it was great because if somebody didn't pay the property manager, you know, booted them. Yeah. Um, but up here, I was like trying to manage the property myself and just eventually found out that, you know, what, I, I just don't have the heart to kick somebody out. And, uh, and I just need to have a property manager do this for me. So what ensued was a, basically what happened was we were in, we were in the, the property for a year. That tenant uh, eventually moved out and we placed new tenants in the property, which was great. Um, and we were in the property and we decided to move down to Raleigh, North Carolina, because that's where all of our, our families from. 
So in moving out of Raleigh, moving down to Raleigh, North Carolina, we had to get a property management firm, which was great because I don't want to manage these properties myself because I don't like kicking people out. And oh my gosh, Baltimore, Maryland, that is just an insane city to comply with if you are a landlord. Um, we spent several thousand dollars. The property manager would not take us on as a client until we like checked all the legal boxes, which is obviously necessary. But I didn't even realize some of the stuff that we had to do, like, like just the way that they do lead based uh, paint testing is crazy. Uh, but that was a, it took us, oh gosh, I think five months to get all of our units tested, inspected, uh, and registered with Baltimore. And it was several thousand dollars later um, that all of that went down and it was just a massive headache. <laughs> wow, man. Well, how, is that like a problem of like due diligence on the front end of just not kind of checking it out and just kind of winging it hard and getting in there? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I, I, the, the seller of the property had given me all this, all this information. Like she had given me all the lead paint information. She gave me all the, the registration information and in talking to a few different people that invest in Baltimore, they were like, Oh, we never do that. And so I was like, okay, well, I just won't do it. <laughs> Boy, was that a mistake? All the fines start rolling in and, and then you really have to jump on it. Cause now you're under the gun and Oh man, it was just a mess. Oh man. But so you even had people that you trusted that were in that area that basically gave you wrong information. Oh yeah. 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 And I don't think that they did it intentionally. I don't know if it was, no, I'm sure like, they didn't do it intentionally. Man, that'd be yeah, horrible. Crazy. Like, ah, Brandon, screw that. I know. I know. But I mean, I mean, still though, like, yeah. like how, how hilarious of me to not go and just double check the hearsay. Right. And, and, and we carry that over into our business too. We, we have clients all the time that come to, from these guru shops. I'm sure that you do too. Oh, all the time. You guys offer all sorts of amazing tax strategies. And we like take a look at them. We're like, you can't do any of that. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't listen to them. Like come to us. We'll tell you what's legitimate. But I did the same thing early on. I, I just, I, I listened to all the, the hearsay and, and, and trusted it and uh, paid for it later. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And that's why you actually pay to get like real professionals. Right. Instead of just like some dude that has an idea, you know, I was like, I was like, that's the quickest way to land yourself with like getting an audit or like ending in jail. Yeah. (laughs) Like I had like somebody tried to tell me the other day, they were like, Oh yeah. You know, did you know that you don't have to pay income tax? And I was like, you know, and they're like, do you, what do you, what's your legal opinion on that? Right. And I was like, my legal opinion on that is that you're going to end up in jail. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you do that. that's my legal opinion. I was like, I don't know whether you have to or not, but I know they throw people inside of small boxes who don't, <laughs> you know, whether you're legally right or wrong, it don't matter at the end of the day, you in a box. How do you yeah, feel? Yeah. That? That's you when know? you send the email follow up with all your advice to document it. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually like, I, you're not my client. Do yeah. not do anything about this. Uh, I'm not advising you on anything with this. You get to the funny farm and go handle it the way that they handle it out there and uh, just leave me alone, please. Ugh. But yeah, no, man, I, I think you're right, like into that. So um, so you ended up here with this uh, this asset. Uh, going again, got fined. You're underneath the stress of that. And then how do you work your way out of that? Because you're actually doing multiple things now at the same time, right? You have like a company that you're running and you're trying to do the to dig yourself out of the hole. Like, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, how, yeah. how do you do that effectively? In your experience? Yeah. 
So, so the good thing is, is that the property cash flowed well. Um, when, I, when I was living in it, I, I had dropped my DC rent down from like, I think it's 1600 bucks a month to about two to 300 bucks a month after rents and everything had uh, come in. So I was out of pocket, 300 bucks a month. When we moved out, um, the renters are paying, I think it's like 1400. Anyway, it, it cash flows and, and I, I bill back utilities now too. So it cash flows. Uh, a decent amount and it's right around an eight to 10% cash on cash return every year. So it's really not that bad of a deal. The problem is, is that we, we sunk all that money into the lead bank, the, the, the lead stuff and, and just the registration and it totally wiped out our cash flow for the year. Uh, we did have principal pay down and, and all that, um, that still, that, that yielded a good return on equity, but the reason that I say it's a bad deal, I mean, I mean, numbers wise, purely numbers wise, it's really not that bad of a deal. But, but the reason that I'm, I'm saying it is a bad deal is because of kind of what you just alluded to. How do you manage all this stuff while you've also got your, your CPA firm? And for, for me, it's, it's not just a regular old CPA firm where I expect to grow five or 10% per year. I mean, we're growing 10% per month. So I have to be all hands on deck at all times of the day managing the growth of this CPA firm. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of ups and downs. Uh, but to throw in the pains of trying to figure out what in the world Maryland and Baltimore want with me and the property on top of all that, it was just a complete nightmare. I mean, I spent, well, we only spent a few thousand bucks on it. I spent a, count, a, countless number, a countless number of hours just trying to research and understand what exactly they want because nobody's clear. You can call one person, they refer you to the next person and they refer you back. And it's just, it's a mess to try to wade through. Um, eventually we were able to figure it out and get everything registered. Uh, but now we are, we're, we're in that renewal year. Oh, well, let me back up. So the really funny thing is December of 2017 is when I sent in the, I sent in two registrations for two of my units. Um, and then January 1st, I get an email saying it's time to renew. <laughs> it was like literally five days before that I had registered for 2017. And then they sent me a, an email saying it's time to register for 2018. So I had to pay it out of pocket twice back to back. It was oh, lovely. Savage. Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. But we are, are now looking to offload this property. Um, and we will probably, if we can get the price that we want, we'll be right above break even. So you know, from a, from a total equity standpoint, we haven't made much money on this at all. Uh, the reason that we're offloading is I don't want to be stuck with a property in Baltimore. If the market takes a downturn, I just don't want to be in an anti-landlord city or state, which is what that area is. Um, and, and it, it, the property did its job, you know, it, it allowed me to quit my job comfortably and start this business. So without it, I don't think that I'd be here at the same time as a huge headache. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that the hundred percent though is like that is the the story um, that I've learned from from doing this podcast and talking to hyper successful people is that almost every experience that we run into on the journey has like a uh, like a dark cloud aspect to it, and then it's also like yeah, but it also allowed me to have like these other successes in here. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, don't tell me that like the the cruel reality of life is that everything is going to be good and bad all at the same time. So there's no point in judging it all because that makes me sound like I'm about to go play a bongo drum underneath a tree or something like that. <laughs> you know? 
and just start yeah, screaming I mean, it's, much it's, easier. it's like to- yeah. totally true though but it's like it's, it's like kind of like it seems like that right it's like oh well my business took a big downturn like this month because we had all of these problems with our crm that happened because we were growing too fast and it broke all of our internal processes with it and i see you nodding your head being like yeah, yeah that happened to me you know why because it happened to me like we were we have the same growth pains like we grow at about 15 to 20 percent per month right now i mean not saying like not trying to compete or anything right now but the uh but it's the same kinds of problems right but what it's like the so like okay that's cool business grows and at the same time it's that's really painful to learn the lesson that way but now i have a so much of a deeper understanding and appreciation for like what it is yeah um, and i'm stronger as a person because of it and all these great things so how do you actually judge a thing as bad or good it becomes really murky and in a way that i never understood it before i started uh, really trying to grow a company that's this hyper fast growing company. And it sounds like you've had a pretty similar experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, there are definitely bad investments, right? There's, there's definitely investments where you can look back and say, I should not have done that, or I could have done that better, or I could have approached that in a smarter manner. Uh, you know, I, I look at this one and say, I could have done that in a smarter manner, but still, the the pure the mere fact that this property allowed me to quit my job and go into my business full time and not necessarily have to worry about how am i going to make rent out of this month's cash flows it, it allowed me to take some time in thinking about how i want to build my business and build it a little bit more intentionally you know a lot of entrepreneurs reference the whole burn the ships right whatever general that was landed on whatever continent i don't even know the story but then he turned around and he told his army to burn all the ships. So basically they have to take the, 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 the castle or they all die. Um, and so all these entrepreneurs are like, well, burn the ships, you know, like get your back against the wall and then you'll be super motivated. I, I just, I don't really like that advice. Bad advice. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather build my business intentionally uh, and make sure that I've got things in place that's going to allow for scale rather than feeling rushed. Um, and motivated because I've got 10 bucks left in my bank account. So I have to figure out how to get money immediately. And, and this, this property just allowed me to, to be a little more comfortable in pulling the trigger, quitting the job and uh, launching the business full time. Yeah. So to me, what like your story speaks about too, is about like um, one of those lessons around like, what's your best and highest purpose that you can grab? Like a lot of people are looking into real estate because they want passive income because so they can like either leave their job or retire. Right. I mean, usually that's usually the main goals of why people are pursuing it that comes in. And the idea in that is saying it's that you're trying to create income. So then you'll have more time to do whatever your, what your internal purpose is that you think is not currently being met by working inside of this job. Right. And, and I think that's when I hear your story, that's what I hear. It's like, I want to build something that's really new, different, powerful, where I see opportunity. I got real estate. It allowed me to have this opportunity and this is what's, you know, come up of it. And it wasn't guaranteed, but it also became a pretty low downside risk. I mean, it's pretty hard to fail when you're like, yeah, my monthly expenses are like under 1500 bucks, you know, you know, yeah. for what I have go on. Like I only have to recruit like one client every now and again, and I can actually stay in business and right. I'm okay. And I already have a girlfriend. So boom, lock that down. <laughs> and I don't have to worry about, about that. that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I will say when you run a business trying to maintain friends or date, it is almost impossible. So the one piece of advice that you get from this podcast, lock in a significant other before you start your business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't let them try to run away. 
they yeah. have like a weird tattoo that they can't explain to anybody else. So that way they have to stick with you. I mean, I'm just spitballing ideas here. They're not all going to be gold, but you know, it's a good idea to, to do that. It really makes a big difference, right? Like when you see a really, a really successful entrepreneurs like Bill Gates and a lot of these guys, right. That they had strong, they had strong relationships around with their core needs were as a person. So that could, they put everything into their business, which became their own sense of fulfillment, like as a muse. Right. Yeah. But you'll see, like two ways that I see that happens with entrepreneurs since I do I do a lot of interviews with entrepreneurs and I speak about this quite a bit is like the coming into there's a really bad way of running your business and putting yourself all into it where it causes you to completely burn out and shut down as a human being and then there's a way that you can say like oh actually here's the pieces that I need to like nourish me so I can continue to use that fuel with like my family relationships and yeah. when I, like what are those core pieces to be really efficient with what it is I need to survive in a sense and then I can pour it all in and that really makes all the difference because guys that don't take the time to actually figure out like the pieces that they need to nourish their soul and to nourish who they are as a person and then they just try to do business are the guys that you see that are just running themselves into the ground and they hate it and somehow they're trying to grind through it every day and to me it's like even if you win you just lost right you exactly years hating everything you know I, I don't think that it's talked about enough in the entrepreneurship world but I, I had both aspects. So I, I was running the business before I met Bonnie, my wife, um, and then also afterwards. And having her in the picture while I was running my business and trying to scale it was way better than than not having her in the picture, like previously to me dating her. Uh, and the reason is just she she's has like a, a different perspective that she can offer. You know, I mean, there, there were events where I'd be really steamed. Uh, something would have happened and I'd be like throwing stuff yelling and everything and she'd come in and say, Hey, I've heard, I heard you on the phone. Here's what I think that you should do. <laughs> and so it just kind of like, you know, brings you back down to a normal level. But you know, one, one thing that uh, I just, I just don't think is talked about enough is for, for entrepreneurs, you, you reference some pretty famous people and you're right. They, they do have really solid relationships. And I, I look at, I look at all the crap that Bonnie's put up with, you know, I, I look at me scaling this business. I'm like, man, I've came a long way. Uh, I, or this business has come a long way. I worked extremely hard. How cool is that? I, I was literally working hundred hour weeks. I'm sure that you've had the same experience for extended periods of time because I wanted to grow this. But then I also look at, at Bonnie and she put up with me, working hundred hour weeks and she stuck around, which is amazing. So, so it, I think it's just, it's really good to kind of have that rock of a relationship, somebody that you can count on because business does have up, ups and downs. Uh, one of my, I'm going to do like a little hand signal. So I apologize to all the audio listeners, but one of my dad's buddies, he runs this big manufacturing business. And one time he told me, he's like, Hey, uh, life is like this. It's just a simple sine wave. Right. But running a business is like this. <laughs> it's just intense. You have massive ups and you have massive downs. And so to, to have somebody that you can constantly count on, especially during those downs, uh, is, is really powerful when you run a business. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like we, we call it internally, we call it riding the roller coaster. Where are we at in the roller coaster right now? You know, <laughs> and it'll be like, people will try to, uh, that are that are new to it will will try to get you to like jump too high up or down like either try to get you to panic or to overly celebrate and yeah. it's like no actually the prudent 
the prudent person and the prudent investor tries to almost stay like an even keel inside of themselves, no matter what's going on with the wave, like your ship still stays even. Yeah. Okay. Well, this high is going to pass too. And then there's going to be something else that's going to come. And if I allow my emotional and internal pieces to get whipsawed around too, then I'm just going to be all over the place and not strong enough to really be able to like hold what needs to be there as a foundation for everybody else in the company. Right. Absolutely. I'd love to ride a roller coaster that just goes up. I don't know of any that exist. <laughs> Elon has one. It's a rocket ship straight to Mars. <laughs> there you go. There. So even if you win, you kind of lost cause you're on Mars. <laughs> so that sounds cool. I don't know who's trying to take that ship anyway, but I digress. That's <laughs> uh, what's going on. But uh, I think that's great, man. I, um, I, uh, I love to see the fact that to how the real estate's actually been able to help you get to that next phase of your life. I think that resonates with a lot of people um, into it. And um, I hope everybody uh, reaches out to, uh, to us here on social media and whatnot, and we can continue all the conversation about, you know, what is that like to actually be a business owner as well as in the field of real estate and how those things all play together. You know, real yeah. estate itself is pretty cool. I mean, you and I are both um, experts to some degree and professionals in, in that field. Um, but, uh, but there's a whole other context here guys about like, what does that take to actually create a good life, you know? And that's actually a broader conversation and something that takes, um, some, some much more introspective work. You know, it's not just as simple as a spreadsheet, you know, that it comes down and to what it is. So, um, so Brandon, for everybody that wants to, to connect with you, you know, probably about taxes and stuff like that, but maybe somebody's found their new soulmate and guru. I don't know. Um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. So if you're interested in taxes and accounting, you can hit us up at www.therealestatecpa.com. If you want to connect with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I like to post statuses every once in a while, just about different business aspects and things that I'm going through. So uh, that typically resonates with a lot of people, uh, but either one of those methods, website or LinkedIn. Awesome. Yeah, guys, and we'll have uh, that in the show notes uh, for you guys here today. Um, of course, uh, this is uh, Scott Royal Smith. I'm the host of the Real Estate Nerds podcast and owner of uh, Royal Legal Solutions, which is your one-stop shop for real estate asset protection, uh, law and uh, business advice, as well as uh, what you guys uh, can be looking forward to on our Facebook page and um, other pieces that we're, we have going on here to connect up with the communities of investors. Um, everywhere throughout the country. So thanks, Brandon, for coming on the show here today. Everybody else, uh, be good, and I'll see you again soon. That's all for this Bad Beats episode. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Did you see yourself in any part of that story? I know I did. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in the sleeping masses of what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day. Thanks, and I'll see you again soon.